Throughout Peter, we are called strangers and exiles. This world is not our home. We are now priests in God's kingdom, and we are to point others to Jesus in the way we live our lives, especially in suffering. When we anchor our hope in Jesus, we can show people how to live better, not bitter. So we are moving forward in this sermon series, Better Not Bitter. It's an exploration through the short book of 1 Peter. Uh, to our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor, and you have a unique blessing today that you don't have to listen to me. I have one job, and that's to get these announcements right, and I'm done today. So this is kind of exciting, which reminds me of the very first day I preached almost 10 years ago now, where I was walking up here, and somebody said, don't mess it up. And so here we go. 10 years later, I'm still living in that trauma. The, uh, so let me... We have somebody that's amazing to speak on today's subject. We go through First Peter, and I'll, I'll introduce her in just a moment. But so you, I want to talk about two really important announcements. You know, we work off an academic calendar year. Everything here in Manhattan kind of really takes off this time of year, and we have a lot of people moving in a lot. And so there's a couple announcements that are really important to cover here today. The one I just want to bring up: what is our what is our vision statement? Right? I'm, I'll help you. The first two words: be bold. Right? Be bold. Love loud. Engage deeply, right? That's our vision statement. Everything that we do, that's the mission statement of our church. Be bold. Be brave in a world uh, that's difficult to navigate. And don't be afraid because we have the joy and the peace in, uh, that's in us, in Christ. Second, love loud. That's, that's to show the love of God through Christ to everybody, through all the noise and stuff going on in the world, that, that we penetrate that. And then engage deeply. Build relationships with people. Love them unconditionally. Walk with them. And, and just show them Christ and teach them Christ. So that's our, that's our vision statement. So this thing that's on your, on your seats, this, this, these are our fall life groups that are just about ready to fire up. Would you grab that and just step in this with me? This is really important. These are starting on the week of September 10th. So we're, what, two and a half weeks out, something like that, from this starting. Um, but these are kind of unique. This is our fall launch of all of our life groups that go on all during the week. And so I want you to turn open here to this page, and you'll see that there's, large, there's three special groupings of life groups. So three things that we're teaching that most of the groups are actually going into. So the first one up there is called Unoffendable. That's a six-week study together um, that basically looks at, in a world that's easily offendable, is how do we navigate our culture and everything and not be offendable? Not be, and and how, do we, how do we navigate talking about Christ to our neighbor? The second one is the engagement. So the unoffendable is about six weeks long. The engagement project is about 11 weeks long. That is Dell Tackett's program. Kind of goes through scripturally all the way through the Bible, showing us the purpose of who is my neighbor and how do I share the good news of Christ with my neighbor. So that's the engagement project. And then holy conversations is the third one. And that one is how do I share my faith? It's really simple. It's not, it's not programmatic at all. But how do I hear people's story? How do I know my story? How do I see their longing? How do I introduce them to Christ? It's a very natural uh, course. That one's about 11 weeks, I think, also, or 12 weeks. So they'll all finish up before Thanksgiving. Um, and then there's these other courses here in this little darker box, too, that are going on also. But we ask our life group leaders as many as possible to teach one of these three. They are all three about who is my neighbor and how do I share with them the good news. They just come from different angles. 
And so we're asking our entire church to be in one of these life groups this fall, starting September, the week of September 10th. Everybody in one of these. It's a saturation of our church to be bold, love loud. We're actually equipping you to go out and make sure I'm comfortable with talking about who Jesus is in a way that's just beautiful. And so I encourage you, uh, if you say, hey, there's never a day it works, we're covering every day of the week, including Sunday, almost every time slot. There is 32 groups here in 18 different places. So we're trying to capture everybody. So please, uh, you can just scan this QR code on the front, and away you go. There you go. There's also these other groups. On the back, there are normal support groups that are going on too. Uh, Hope and Grieving, AA. There's a new one in here called Military Spouse Network. We have a lot of military families here. Military Spouse Network is a just a, a group that helps spouses navigate deployment and a lot of the challenges that come with the military life, and Callie Hansen's uh, teaching that. So that's a new one we're adding there also. And so anyway, those of you online, this is pinned out there. You should be able to see it too. And uh, we just love you all to get programmed into, or plugged into there. Sorry, not programmed, plugged. All right, back to this, this worship guide. To our guests on the back, we're going to have our guest speaker here today uh, share with you. And the sermon notes are on the back. Uh, but there's one thing on here really important. is harvesters is this week. We'll have 130 cars out here lined up for food. It is Labor Day weekend, so we would love to make sure we, we need about 30 to 40 volunteers to meet that. So if you can join us and, and uh, for Harvester of the Long Labor Day weekend, come jump in on that. Um, this, this other one, and I'll, this is my last, last one, I promise, baptism class. Baptism class, September 17th. We will be having baptism during the services on October 1st. We already have people lined up. My question to you is, have you been wrestling with this? Like, I'm making that decision to get in the water, leave my old self behind, rise up new in Christ. Uh, to publicly declare I belong to him. And so if you're interested in that, come to one of these classes or give us a call. You can fill this out, check a box here on the back, and give us your information about being baptized. And like I said, I think October 1st is where we're going to lean into and celebrate during both services baptism. So, um, yeah, wrestle with that. We'd love to wrestle with you and have that joyous day with you also. All right, now let's get into, actually, we're going to continue on in First Peter. I'm going to introduce our, 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 our guest today. Um, setting that up, First Peter is, uh, we've been... Uh, the, right, one day at a time. Good for them. Okay, so suffrage, what does it mean? Miguel. Uh, to be in pain... No, okay, you know what, that's suffering. No, that's suffering. Okay, no, you know what, no, no we're not we're repeating today, Muba. Thank you. Sorry. It's fine, we're just not, we're not doing it today. We're just going to do it a couple times as a study aid. Sorry. It's okay, it's fine. Um, no, suffrage is the right to do something. The right to uh, not uh, feel pain. No, okay, look, we, we covered this for like 45 minutes. You guys remember Monday? You guys remember Monday when we, we went over this for like 45 minutes? The whole class dedicated to this. You, you know, suffrage has nothing to do with pain. No, no pain. No pain, no gain. Okay, we're off track. We are definitely off track here. <clears throat> right to vote? I'm sorry, uh, you got something to say? Uh, Nico, but forget it. I'm, I'm sure it's wrong. Please, look, there are no wrong answers here. You know what? I'm going to stop right there because there are obviously a, a lot of wrong answers, but there are a couple <laughs> wrong answers, but <laughs> it's okay. There are. But let's give it a shot anyway. The right to vote? There, there you go. Okay? You know what? Suffrage is the right to elect leaders. You understand, right, Miguel? I do. Fortunately, okay. today is going to be my last day. But don't worry. Next week, you're going to be in great hands with a new teacher, and he's going to be... <laughs> 
So like we see how quickly suffering can get us off track. And Peter here in First Peter is here to teach us how to suffer well. Because sometimes we get so quickly detoured, derailed off on all these bunny rabbit trails. It's normally a confusing place to be, like they were confused in their citizenship class asking all these questions. And a lot of times we ask questions too, but we don't come up with very many answers. But that simple saying, no pain, no gain, actually tr proves to be true time and time again. I don't know some of the questions you guys may have asked during your suffering and pain and trials. Some of the ones I've asked, how long is this suffering going to go on? Why do I have to suffer through this? Why does God allow suffering? What am I supposed to suffer for? As you see in the pictures there, down in Ecuador, thousands of Ecuadorians take annual pilgrimages to visit the different Mary statues. And most of them have some way of trying to suffer enough. Some of them crawl on their knees. Some of them whip themselves to when they get to the statue that hopefully they've earned, if they've suffered enough, hopefully they've earned God's favor to listen to their prayer, do a miracle, get his forgiveness. Or in the red tents there, there's a little boy and girl suffering through a natural cleansing ritual to get the bad spirits away from them. Or sometimes we replay a mistake in our mind and suffer under false guilt, false shame. Jonah suffered in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. And so all these make us wonder, what are we supposed to suffer for and how do we suffer? So let's dig into 1 Peter today. If you have your Bibles, we'll be kind of going through different chapters, and it's also up on the screen um, to see what he has to say about how and what to suffer for. But I have a test for you guys. I want, as we read through the scriptures and we talk about suffering today, I want you to pick out the two words that are most associated with suffering. And there's a prize for those who pass the test at the end. So let's read 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. And I'd like you guys to read the first verse with me, first six, verse 6. So, be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And so we see Peter here, this is your first sermon note, gives a forecast. It's kind of a weatherman giving a forecast, first with a foreboding and then a foreshadowing. On one hand, Peter forewarns with this foreboding message that we will endure many trials in all shapes and sizes. And these trials, these testings, have the potential to either make us, bringing out the best in us, or break us, bringing out the worst. But that we go through hard times, that we will suffer, is mandatory. It's not optional. How we respond is our choice. And then on the other hand, we see the foreshadowing that Peter gives, that we will find wonderful, what was the word? Wonderful joy along the way. We can be glad in the midst of suffering. I want to ask you, when was the last time you experienced joy? I wear, I purposely wore these different um, jewelries, my bracelet, my necklace, and my earrings, because they were each gifts from women down in Ecuador that were going through some major suffering. My neighbor, Hudit, gave me this bracelet after we had worked through a Bible study called Mending the Soul. God had put on my heart, just go uh, knock on your neighbor's door, invite her over for coffee, get to know her. Um, and so I did, and she said, after 
a year of walking through his Bible study, she said, that was the day I literally had no more hope. I thought my life didn't matter anymore. I didn't know how to get out of all the pain and all the crazy cycle my husband and I were on, and I just wanted to be done. But you knocked on the door and invited me over for coffee, and then as you walked me through understanding my story in light of God's story, now I have hope. Donnie, our um, kind of missionary that we're sending out from Ecuador over to the Middle East, went through a really hard, her parents divorced when she was in college. We kind of adopted her in. She's become the older sister to our brothers to keep them, or to our boys to keep them in line. And she went to Turkey and brought back this necklace and said, now what you've done in Ecuador is coming full circle because you know, you're sending me out. And the suffering that I experienced through my parents' divorce, when I, she went for a two-month internship and she met lots of kids and teenagers lost, having questions about life, and she was able to speak into that from the suffering she went. And so what is God allowing in your life that he may have a purpose behind that? How can we suffer well, let's see what else Peter has to say, because there is joy along the way. Because I'm sure if I took a few minutes for all of you to share a few moments that you've suffered this last year, some of them would be big, maybe an unexpected cancer diagnosis, like my cousin got a job loss, a big change. Some of them would be smaller inconveniences, unresolved conflict at home or at work, uh, waiting too long in a line, suffering those 100-plus Kansas dog days of summer right now. But there's a 100% chance of suffering forecast for all of us. No one gets a get out of suffering free card in this game of life. We've had our fair share as well, going to Ecuador, as you'll see in the next picture. Some of them smaller, like Joel's cake, or his face smashed in the cake, learning new cultural rituals. That's how they say happy birthday. They like to smash your face in the cake. That's a small inconvenience, something to kind of laugh at. But then um, the picture there is the, when we, George and I first went to language school in Costa Rica. We had just graduated from K-State. I had my master's in marriage and family therapy. He was in civil engineering. And then we felt like kindergartners again in language school, making bloopers and people laughing at us and having to suffer through a whole year of relearning. And so as we've suffered, there's always been waiting to see the reward. And some people ask us, has it been worth it? And we say yes. Each of these trials have tested us. It's a maturing process that God has in our lives. How many of you thought you were done with tests when you graduated high school or college? I'm done with that. <laughs> well, sorry to break the news. There's some more tests for you. Peter talks about how these trials, the suffering, are tests. Like we read, it tests our faith to see if it's genuine or fake, to see if it's strong and going to hold up or if it's weak and shaky. Will we allow this suffering to refine us and purify us to make us better or stay bitter? Just as many of you, the students for high school and college are getting ready to study and sacrifice, maybe going out to stay in and study, get up early to get to class, you have that end goal in mind to pass the test and get a job and graduate. In the same way, God allows suffering so that we too can make a choice to sacrifice something in order to gain something else. He asks us many times to sacrifice the temporal to gain the eternal, to sacrifice the worldly to gain the divine. And along the way, the suffering normally smooths out, smooths out our rough edges. My rowing coach at K-State, Coach Hale, March 1st, rain, sunshine, ice, we were out on the water at Tuttle Creek. She literally sometimes had to break off the ice of Tuttle Creek so we could get our boats out there. We sacrificed getting up at 6 a.m. to be a team that could compete at that level. 
but she had that angle, I want a strong team. My physical therapist broke up scar tissue in my knee after my ACL surgery with the end result to have a knee that could play basketball again and run again and do sports. No pain, no gain. Suffering and pain will either make us or break us, but there's always breaking involved in the process. And Jesus uses an example, we'll go to John real quick, where he says in John 12, 24 through 26, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat, unless a seed is planted in the soil and dies, dying is a painful process, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. So anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So just as the seed, when it's buried, has to break open, be buried, then it reproduces life and the harvest. The same is what God wants to do in our lives through the suffering he allows. When George and I said yes to God's call to go to Ecuador over 20 years ago, we had to say yes to sacrifice being around family. We had to say yes to sacrifice being around the comforts and conveniences of the life we grew up here in the United States. We had to say yes to sacrifice our pride and learn to do things differently and speak a new language. But yet we've gained so much. Our four boys are bilingual, bicultural, and now God's getting ready to send them out to different places. We've been able to see God raise up others and send them out. And so we have a wider perspective of what God's doing around and been able to partner with that. So a question for us all to consider today when we go through suffering is, will we find God's grace in that brokenness when he's breaking us? Because normally suffering involves some pain. Something has to break in order for us to be rebuilt. But then when we allow him to rebuild us, his life is the one that then pours forth. So will we find that grace in those moments of suffering? Will we turn towards him? Because when we do, two results happen. We read it in 1 Peter 1. That strong, sturdy faith. One of our small sufferings in Ecuador is we have yet to find a trash bag that will make, when we carry it up from our third story and all the way down to the, um, because we don't have the big nice containers you guys have. We have to put it on this rack and it normally breaks open. We don't have the hefty, durable ones you guys have here. And George literally sometimes packed trash bags to take back to Ecuador. But God is doing that. All the suffering, all the garbage we go through in life, he is trying to make in us a hefty, sturdy, see you through faith so we can get through to the other side. But we have to turn to him. We have to depend on him. So if we turn to God versus like Jonah, what did Jonah try to do? Run away, flee from his suffering. What did Moses try to do? Fight it, argue it out with God. What did Peter do? Froze, didn't know how to, what to answer. Those are our three typical human responses in a moment of pain. But if we turn to God and allow him to use the suffering in our life, the second result is much praise, much glory, much honor to Jesus. In our hour of suffering, we reveal a whole lot about ourselves and what we really believe and value. And the world is watching. Like we were able to do, we finally were able to, as you see in the next pictures, organize our national youth camp again. And the youth in uh, Ecuador come from our three major cities. Guayaquil's on the um, coast. It's a big urban jungle, kind of like L.A. or New York. Um, most of these kids uh, live in poverty and live in drug kind of cartel areas and literally suffer through wondering if they're going to get shot at. 
The other group came from Quito, um, from a group home where their parents either left the country and they had nowhere else to go, they didn't have family, or one girl named Natasha struggled through scoliosis and her parents didn't want her and left her on the footsteps of the group home. And then a group from Cuenca, from our youth group there too. And so we came together to gather on the beach, a place that they could just breathe, enjoy God's creation. And on that second day, several of the youth were just sitting there and just said, these have been the best days of my life and I don't want this to end. But now I know there's a God that loves me and sees me and I'm taking him back with me. That's why we do what we do in Ecuador, to give people that hope in the midst of their suffering. So get ready, I'm gonna give you some cliff notes, those that like just the short version. I just have to read these few pages to pass the test. Of four reminders that we need to remember when we're going through our own season of suffering. In 1 Peter 2 now, verses 21 through 25, we see our first reminder. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he was suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you, me, Ecuadorians, are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And so this first reminder in a sermon note is that Peter calls us to remember that Jesus is our forerunner. He's giving us a foretaste of how to suffer for what is right, how to please God in the midst of our suffering. He paves the way, just like we saw last week, he found grace in submission to his father's will. Now he's finding grace in the hour of his suffering. And I love that about Jesus. He's not one of those just like, oh yeah, you go try it. No, he's like, I've been there, I've done that. The suffering and pain thing, yeah, I know. And then he asked us to follow. Um, I ran cross country in high school. There was always a girl that would lead the pack. She was the pace setter. Jesus is our pace setter. He sets the pace. He's our example of how to endure patiently because suffering does require an endurance, a long-term perspective and patience, and the root word of patience means to suffer long and alongside. So Jesus is saying, get ready, this is your race, but I've already run it, and I'm going to run it alongside you. That long-term perspective helps us maintain hope. Just like we see in Hebrews, he said, now you run your race with endurance that God set before you. We do this keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, not on our pain, on Jesus, the champion who initiates, perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Discarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And so we keep our eyes focused on him as our forerunner. Just as many of you probably keep step, how many of you like to have your Fitbits and count how many steps you do every day? How many? of you yeah <laughs> be healthy now let's be a people that keep step how many steps are we keeping in the footsteps of jesus because he's one that didn't retaliate he didn't repay evil with evil even though maybe his human side felt like it he didn't repay evil with insult or injury but he chose to bless to do good he endured the cross with the hope of saving us to take that sin to be wounded so we could be healed and now he's our wounded healer and so with that power, we also now go out and help others find that help, hope. 
So a question for us to consider, are we, because the suffering that we go through makes us hurt. It hurts. And so are we a hurt people that hold on to that, that then continue to hurt others? Or are we a people that turn to Jesus as our wounded healer and are being healed so we can heal others around us? That's the beauty of redemption, which this whole story is about, of how God takes those horrible, terrible, hot messes that we live through, and he brings something good out of it when we place it back in his hands. My story of growing up suffering through broken homes and different step-parents and the questions and confusions I had as a little girl and youth led me to become a marriage and family therapist. And then going down to Ecuador with a high percentage of broken homes because of immigration, teenagers not having their parents around, couples struggling, and I'm able to do counseling and couples workshops and help others come alongside and find hope and healing. And God knew all that before I even knew I was going to Ecuador. Jim and Elizabeth Elliott were some of the first missionaries to go into the Amazon jungle side of Ecuador, and they were aviation pilots that would just drop um, food and other supplies into the indigenous tribes. But then they felt like they were getting enough signs back that it was going to be friendly enough for them to land. Um, and lo and behold, they got speared, all five of the husbands. They were martyred on the beaches of the Amazon jungle there. Two of the wives, Elizabeth Elliott and Mrs. Saint, decided to stay and go back into those tribes after the suffering of losing their husbands. And because they stayed, the Indians now understand the gospel message. They saw it, they felt it from the power of forgiveness, and now they are now church planting in the further interiors of Ecuador. And so what's something you've suffered through that maybe God's saying, place that back in my hands. Let's do this together. Let me help you see the good I can bring out of it for you and for the world around you. And before we try to be like, use X, he's like, oh, well, that was just Jesus. Yeah, he could endure the cross and die. We're called to be his disciples, which means we're his apprentices. We have to learn what he did, and we signed up for that Suffering 101 course. And so we, too, have a choice to live from a better or bitter place. But it's only possible when we see this next reminder in 1 Peter 3 now, verses 13 through 18. So now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He has never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. And so we see our next reminder in these suffering tests is we are called now to be forebearers because as we foresee the reward that awaits us. It's easier to forbear a hard moment, something we're suffering through, when we can foresee what's going to come on the other side, the outcome, the result, the purpose of it. Just like when I was, all of us who've been pregnant, and nine months of pregnancy, and then the child pain, the childbirth process, lots of pain, lots of suffering, but we foresee little ones coming and holding them in the joy. We don't always foresee all the sleepless nights afterwards, but... <laughs> But that season too shall have. But we foresee the end result, the goal. George and I 
we forbear the pain of being far away from family, and as you see in the next picture, because now God has multiplied our family just around that table and in my women's group there with the balloons where we're celebrating um, three other ladies joining the group, new life, new relationships with Jesus. There's eight different nationalities represented there, Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, Mexico, Argentina, Haiti, Venezuela, and the U.S. And so my family now has multiplied and is a multi-ethnic, multinational family because we sacrifice being around family. And so maybe we'll suffer for our faith, being mocked, being persecuted, but maybe the payoff will be if we suffer well, if we gently and kindly respond back to that person, a seed is planted in their life, and one day they too will turn. But it all depends on that perspective. We have the long-term perspective. We pull out our telescope and look long-term versus just microscoping in our pain and suffering. What kind of view are you gonna have in your suffering? We have to remember we have the choice in how we respond to suffering and pain. We, do we choose love or hate? Do we choose to bring peace or more war? Do we choose to bring humility to that and maybe I don't have all the answers or let our pride win out? Good or evil? Validate someone or just dismiss them because they don't agree with me? That verse 15 and 16 was really important. It said, be ready to give the reason why you have hope. And so I'm gonna, that's one of your tests. Be ready, are you ready? I want you to share right now. I'm giving you one minute. Share one thing, why you have hope. Why are you here today? Just find somebody right next to you, behind you. One minute, why do you have hope? Because that verse said, be ready. So there you go. Ready or not, there's your test. Share why you have hope. One minute for everybody to share. And so I encourage you guys to have your answer ready because in your workplace, at school, in your neighborhood, people might ask, be ready to give them the reason you have a hope, but in a gentle, respectful way. The other choice we have here that we see, Peter was saying, don't worry about all that stuff that's going on around there. Don't worry that they took the Ten Commandments out of a public place and put it just at Manhattan Christian College. Don't worry that they took prayers out of school and you worship me as Lord. Don't worry George and I, recently, one of the news down in Ecuador is that one of the presidential candidates just got assassinated. That is anti-corruption, anti-drug cartel. And yes, that puts our alert on. We, we're not just naively stepping back into uh, danger. We're aware of what's going on. But we're not going to worry about if God continues to say, no, I have you, and I have got this under control. And so we, again, every day decide, are we going to worry about all the things around us that we don't have control over, or are we going to worship Jesus and put him back on the throne and let him take care of those things we don't have control of. So in the midst of suffering, as we're called to be these forebearers, we're called to remember what we have control of and what we don't have control of and place what we don't have control over back into the hand of the almighty God that we sang about. The almighty God that spoke light and just said, boom, there's light. Boom, there's Dylan Olivia. Boom, quails falling out of the sky to feed Israelites in the desert. Boom, the Red Sea parts. That's the God we have, and we have to remember him in those moments of suffering and put those things we don't have control over back in his hands. Boom, Lazarus walks out of a, of a tomb, and boom, the one who he sent died to defeat death. 
We have to remember that we're called to be forebears, just like all of our forefathers. These stories help us because they went through similar things. Abraham, Isaac, Moses. So let's suffer for what's right, for doing good versus wrong. My boys have learned the hard way, the natural consequences of life. When they suffer because they've done something wrong, we let them pay that consequence. God and Peter are calling us to suffer for what's doing for good. And there's a reward. And so let's finish here in 1 Peter 4. One of the rewards that Jesus calls us to is that he wants to bring us home. As missionaries, that just home sweet home. How many of you have that home sweet home feeling after traveling? Some of you guys traveled around the summer. You just get back to your own bed, your own home. It's like, ah, oh, home sweet home. And George and I used to have that the first few years. It was like only at my mom's house or his parents' house out of the farm in Richmond. But now we have it in Ecuador and here in Manhattan. And God has extended where our home is and who's part of our home. That's one of the rewards. And so we wrap up with this last reminder in 1 Peter 4, 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had. Be ready to suffer, too. For if you suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. And then he goes on to say in verse 12 through 16, Dear friends, dear Westview, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the whole world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. And then he finishes, if you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. He will never fail you. And so this answers our big why. So many of us like, why am I suffering? Why does God allow suffering? Our why is because our for, foremost purpose, this is your next sermon note, our foremost purpose is the privilege to be partakers and partners with Jesus. Because as we partner with him, then we become more like him. Suffering is a setup to help us step up and step out into a broken, hurting world that needs more wounded healers. But we have to arm ourselves with that same attitude that Jesus had, one of humility, one of submission, then we're ready. It said, be ready, right? Like our youth group down there, we have a big family center and soccer field and land, so there's lots of space. They love to play hide and seek. Always, be ready or not, here I come. Peter is basically saying, ready or not, suffering's coming. So arm yourselves with how to suffer well. So we're ready when we have that saying, when we make our free will to choose to be glad, we remember there's a purpose in it. Every trial has a step up and step out to be that partaker with Jesus. I have, okay, so now answers to the test. I have some Ecuadorian chocolate. Anybody would like to partake in it? It's one of the exports down in Ecuador. Who remembers, who can think of the two words that are associated with suffering in all the passages we've seen? What? Test and faith, yes. Endure. The, the results, hmm? trials and pain, and, but then the results of it? Joy. Who said joy first? And joy happens because the testing. And what happens with God? 
the world. We bring, when we find joy in our suffering, we bring much? Yeah, glory, honor, praise. Who said that? You can partake in some Ecuadorian chocolate. There's reward. These are small rewards. God has a whole bigger reward for us up in heaven one day. <laughs> we have to keep that perspective. So let's wrap up today. As we keep on suffering, when we trust God will never fail. He didn't fail his son when he was hanging on the cross, suffering in agonable pain. He promises the same to us, and this is our last passage here in 1 Peter 5, 9 through 11. So stand firm, Westview, against him, because Satan's going to try to take advantage of us in our suffering times. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers here in Manhattan, down in Ecuador, around the world, are going through the same kind of suffering you are. And in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered just a little while, remember eternity is a whole lot longer. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. So this last reminder, your last sermon note, is that we remember we are, we keep in our foreground those who around the world who are all suffering. We remember that we're a part of a big, big family all around the world. And I would like those um, who have jerseys to stand up in the next picture as well. Just um, Donnie, who went out from Ecuador to the Middle East, um, she sent back these pictures. Now she's connected to all the pastors there. And this was a picture just from last week of a Muslim group going through Pakistan, burning down 17 of our Wesleyan churches there and killed one of the pastors and left behind his widow and two kids. And so that's the suffering that they're going through on the other side of the world. And then Jim Elliott's quote, uh, the one that was martyred in Ecuador, but now there's a harvest, he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that what he cannot lose. And so in these last pictures, in the jerseys that they represent, we have been able, we sacrificed staying here in the U.S., being around family, the comforts and everything, to go. And now we opened our home and our hearts to Donnie. And so we went from Kansas City, KC Sporting, to Ecuador. And then the seeds that were planted us, we planted in Donnie. And she's now in Brazil, studying at a seminary and finishing university. But she plans to go to Turkey in the Middle East. This last year, we had Matias and Adlai, who came from um, Argentina and Mexico as mission interns. But they have a call to go to Egypt, to the further places. And so I want you just to get a picture of when you guys sent us out, now we have a whole network of people all around the world. And so we thank you for how you've prayed, how you've given, and now keep doing that and let God say, what am I doing today with whatever you might be suffering with? So to end, when you guys leave, uh, my boys and a couple of the youth will be at the doors. Uh, pick up a seed as your reminder, your visual reminder to be broken and let God's life go through you however this season of suffering is. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who is our forerunner. You set the pace. You endured the cross, a pain that we can't even truly imagine for the hope to bring us home with you, that we might be, come home right now and be in relationship with you and find that grace we need in our moments of suffering, but then one day to be home with forever where all the sufferings ended. And so be with each one. Speak to each heart. Maybe someone's in a season of suffering that's just tough, and it's about breaking them. I pray you'll come alongside them and give them exactly the glimpse they need, 
of what they need to foresee right now. I do thank you for how Westview has sacrificed with generous giving, with praying, with coming alongside us, and now we're seeing the harvest, the benefit, the reward of that. In your name we pray, amen.